everybody. You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living and making great art. Is it a reality? Is it out there? That's what we're trying to figure out. That's what we're exploring. That's what I'm trying to help you do and trying to do myself. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age, you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Let's jump in. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Here we go. A new episode of CPT. I'm thrilled out of my mind. It's early morning. You know how I do in the morning time. I'm having a good time here by myself. I'm a happy introvert. I love people, love to be around people, but you know, my happy place is uh, being alone. Well, with a microphone, with you. (laughs) What a ridiculous human I must be to be doing this. But I'm happy to be here today. And man, I just feel like the CPT is just growing. And well, it is growing. It's not even a feeling. Um, And so I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, Man, last week we had Dan Bandit. Go Shrimp. What a phenomenal episode. That guy is a complete creative genius and a total sweetheart oh my gosh i had such a good time hanging out with him and uh that episode is phenomenal you should go check that out after this one it's really um it's been a favorite of many today though what i want to talk to you about is it's a topic that i never wanted to cover but i am pumped to bring it to you now Um, I didn't want to cover it for lots and lots of reasons, and you probably notice um, that reason in the title. I think I'm calling it How to Wield the Power of Personal Brand Without Becoming a Squirmy Worm Thing Like on the Little Mermaid. You know, these... uh, those little weird squirmy things that Ursula turns um, <laughs> King Triton into. That, those always freaked me out really bad when I was a kid. They're like really gross and like, man, twisted to show kids um, <laughs> this idea of a crazy sea witch turning people into uh, squirmy little weird gross things. That was did a number on me. But anyway, I feel like in our culture right now and in the creative industry, there's been so much talk 
about personal brand, so much talk about branding in general, um, and we've all watched it go bad. We've all watched it get gross and disgusting. And you've heard me say this before, but it won't be the last time. Here's what I think about branding, personal brand, all that stuff. That anything that's powerful is going to get a bad reputation. Our brains are actually wired to hold the bad things easier. Bad things stick to our brains. And so if something's powerful, it's going to be used for good and it's going to be used for bad and we're gonna remember the bad things because they stick longer. And so here's the thing. I think that we have this natural pushback against the idea of branding and personal brand at this day and age because we've seen it abused, we've seen it gross, and uh, we got a bad taste in our mouth. But here's the reason why I'm bringing this episode to you today. Here's why. Because I kept doing interviews with the people that I love, the inspiring creatives that I'm obsessed with that I think are brilliant, and I kept seeing this thing in common, personal brand. I'm giving you this episode, and here's why. Because I'm convinced that the difference between the average, average successful creative and the ultra-successful creative is personal brand. It's this component. And so I started to think about, okay, I'm going to have to tackle this. What's going on? What is a personal brand? Why do you need it? And how can you make it work for you? And so that's what this episode is today. Today we have Meg Lewis. She's going to be a guest later on, so get ready for that. Meg is a brilliant human being. Um, She is hilarious, and you're going to have a good time with her. She shares a heartfelt snippet on the topic of personal brand, and she's a master. Um, And we're going to go into why you need it, what it is, and how you can kind of make it work for you. Now, before we jump in, let's talk about why. Why do you need a personal brand? Here's what I've boiled it down to. And I think it's essentially like online dating. Okay, you're probably saying, Andy, listen, why should we listen to you about online dating? You don't even know anything about online dating. That's true. I don't because I've been married for eight years. And uh, back when I was dating, back in my day, uh, online dating was still quite a... uh, quite outside the social norms, not like it is today. Um, now it's really normal. And, uh, but, but I think I've gathered some things, um, in the hearsay and, uh, um, here's what I've gathered. Okay. Is that online dating has become uh, a much bigger thing. And the reason being is that it's become easier to get to know people online. And I'm, I, I really, really believe that the power of personal brand is about being known as a person. And when you're known, people can trust you. And people can trust you, they can have a relationship with you. And the thing is, is that even business is a relationship. And, you know, the fact of the matter is there's several places I can get coffee, okay? I can go to all kinds of different places here uh, in Columbus to get coffee. And actually, there's a few places, a handful of places that are my real, true favorites. But, you know, I, if there's two places that serve kind of similar levels of excellence in the coffee arena, I go to the one where the relationships are good. I go to the one that the people there, the employees there, make me feel good. They make me feel like I'm respected and cared for and treated like a human. You know, there's a lot of hipster coffee places out there in the world that will treat you a little bit 
unsavory, and I'm not for that. I'm taking a stand right now against that kind of customer service. Okay? <laughs> so all things being equal, the coffee being equal, the service being equal, I'm going to go to the one that I trust is going to treat me like a person. And I think that in the creative world, we want to get we get so hung up on the offering, right? We get off we get so hung up on the service. Like my work is better than the other people's work and that should be enough. But to me personally, this is what it's kind of like. It's like getting an unsolicited email uh, saying, hey, you want to hang out? Here's my photos. And I'm trying to say, look, it's not all about the looks. You know what I'm saying? If we bring it back to the online dating thing, it's not all just about the work. And you don't have to like it. It's just a fact. But I think it actually makes sense because the coffee being equal, you're going to go work with the person that you like to work with. And this is where personal brand comes into play. Because you going out there sending unsolicited emails to the people that you want to work with and saying, here's my work, you like it? That doesn't build trust. That's not the person that you want to work with. You want to work with the people that you feel like you have a sense of who they are. And when you have a sense of who they are, you feel like you can trust them. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I think it's a game changer. If you're online and you're about to hire somebody for creativity, even offline, and you're looking at two portfolios, you're going to go with the one that you feel like you have a sense of who they are and you connect with that person. And that's the power of personal brand. It is the game changer. Out of 100 portfolios that you could pick from, you're going to pick the one that you feel like you have a personal connection with. And, And I think that that's just business, and business is a relationship. All right, let's go into what is a personal brand? So, you may be asking yourself, Andy, what is a personal brand? Now, you might be asking that because I just said that, but you also might be asking that because you generally don't know. Here's what I think a personal brand is. A personal brand is anything that you do, any activities you do in which to build trust with your audience and to stand out. Now, why trust? Why do we need trust? What does that even mean? It's a word that gets thrown around a lot, so let's dig a little deeper on the whole trust thing. Here's why you need trust. You need trust because business is a relationship, and it's more than transactional. There's, there are deeper levels to the business. It's not, you give me money, I give you this thing, let's go. Let's not get like that, okay? Like, go back to the, to the dating scenario, okay? Like, it's not just about that. It's about, it's about love. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about love. It's, <laughs> but hear me out, all right? So you're getting into a relationship and you need to know that they're going to be there for you when it's tough, right? Not just when things are good, not just when the project starts, but when it's down to the wire. And they need to feel like this person is trustworthy. I have a sense of who they are. I need to be able to trust them. Why? Because when when that art director hires you, when that agent reaches out to you, they need to know that when they risk their names on the line for the sake of you, that it's not going to come back and bite them in the butt because they're putting their own reputation and their own careers on the line for you. And that is a significant amount of trust. In fact, I'd like to just give you an example. A few years ago, I was working with the board of directors. We were working... um, 
on a project. I'm not going to get into the exact details just for, uh, you know, so that I'm not a jerk, but I was working on a project and, uh, I encouraged them to go on the web with me on a journey to find a designer to work with for the project. Let's not go to the local guys that we know. We live in the, you know, a new age where you can work with the best in the world from all over the place. You can get the cream of the crop. Let's go online and find somebody who's going to knock this thing out of the park. And they trusted me. And I hired somebody. And that person really did not come through. And it hurt my reputation with those people. And those people got afraid to do that process again. And they definitely didn't want to work with that person again. And they probably questioned whether they should trust me. And it was a lesson that I learned. When I hire somebody, when I take somebody's money and I say, let's hire this person, my reputation is on the line. And so personal brand... The idea of giving somebody a container to hold information about you so that they feel like they get to know who you are is a game changer. Some random portfolio on Behance that looks super slick, but you've never heard of the name. There's a part of you that doesn't trust it. Who is this person? They haven't been vetted. Is this person? We don't know. Are you stealing from other people? Are you taking their creative work and passing it off as your own? When we don't have the familiarity, we don't have a person behind it, it gets a little bit to be like someone sending you their pics in an unsolicited email. And we're like, whoa, it doesn't matter how good you look. All right. (laughs) This is making me uncomfortable. And so you need a personal brand to help people trust you, to feel like they know who you are. So they feel like when they hire you, you're not going to make them look stupid. Now, I think that a big part of this uh, and and why it maybe hits a nerve is that so when I'm working with a lot of different people, you know, I'm working with students and, and different folks all the time, I keep coming across the fact that a lot of people out there have a lot of social anxiety. And I think that with the internet, we hide behind this, this internet uh, like a mask, like a comfort blanket. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the business world has been clear about this for years is that it's not all about your skills. It's not all about the hard skills. It's about the soft skills of learning to relate to people, learning to connect with people. And I think that in our creative world, at some point that's kind of got lost and I get it. I'm an introvert who likes to stay at home and make stuff. And that's, you know, I don't think that's uncommon for creative people. Here's one little bit of encouragement that I want to give you, though, that when you go to these conferences, when you go to these meetings, a large percentage of the people involved in that world are also nervous about social situations, even the people that go up on stage. Most of these people are like you. They like to make work. They like to... You know, they like to talk about themselves and be known through the work that they're making. Like that's how they express themselves. They feel more comfortable expressing themselves that way than they do in a conversation. Not everybody, but a lot of people, even a lot of your heroes probably. I can't tell you how many times I've met one of my heroes and I couldn't believe that they seemed nervous to talk to me. Not because they knew who I was, but just because they, they felt nervous. And so I'm going to just give you an encouragement that says, if you want to take what you're doing from average to ultra successful, a big part of that comes with soft skills of meeting people, building relationships and letting people know you. Now, another aspect here 
the other aspects. So the first part's building trust so that those people don't get burned that want to hire you. So they have a sense of who you are. They feel like they know you. They feel like they connect with you on a personal level. Therefore, professionally, there's going to be chemistry. Now, on the other side of that, the other major part of personal brand, in my opinion, is standing out. And this is the idea of, if you want to go back to the relationships idea, this is the idea of the peacocking, uh, you know, the big feathers. Who's got the biggest feathers? Who can make the flashiest dance? Uh, and, it, and, uh, and it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be super flashy. It just has to be different. It just has to be memorable. How do you stand out? What are your core values? What are your guilty pleasures? What makes you different? It doesn't really matter, actually. All that matters is that you look a little bit different than everything else. Seth Godin calls this the purple cow. Is that if you drive by fields and fields and fields of cows, like nobody stops and says, Wow, a cow. Like, that doesn't happen. What happens, though, if you saw a purple cow out there, then you might stop and be like, whoa, that's remarkable. And so it almost doesn't matter what color it is. It doesn't matter how it's different. It just matters that it's different. And I think sometimes we get hung up on it being super different and really super special and super uh, powerful and just, you know, the best ever. It doesn't really matter. That doesn't matter at all. When it comes to personal brand, it just matters that you don't look like everybody else. And I think that in the world of personal brand, that this thing keeps getting messed up because what ends up happening is you go and see the super successful. And instead of thinking, oh, It's working for them because they're being themselves. You think it's working for them because they're being them and I need to be them too. Now you just did the exact opposite of what personal brand is supposed to do. It's supposed to help you stand out and instead it helped you blend in with what's already out there. It's so stupid, so ridiculous. It was actually completely unintentional. It was more like a confession, something I felt like I had to get off my chest. But a big part of my personal brand has become liking boys to men. A few years ago, I did a talk, um, you know, let's wind it back years ago um, when Spotify had just come to the States. This was like maybe four years ago, something like that. And I was listening to Boys to Men, and uh, I had connected my Facebook, and I thought, man, all my friggin' friends are gonna see that I'm listening to Boys to Men all the time, and I'm gonna have to explain what's going on. Like, you know, the guy that makes the Andy Rock coloring books listening to Boys to Men all the time. What's that all about? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I could feel this little bit of tension in me, and I thought, man, this is so ridiculous. I should listen to whatever I wanna listen to. And uh, a few years later, I got the opportunity to do a short talk in front of the ICON conference. And uh, I, I had, I think it was the 17 Secret Herbs and Spices of Illustration. And on one of the points, I just made it uh, an opportunity to confess that I was a major Boys to Men fan. And it wasn't really, that was just one of the points. It didn't fit with the talk. It was just a really stupid thing. But part of me just wanted to be like, look, I want to get this out there, out in the open. I don't want to explain it to anybody anymore. I grew up listening to Boys to Men. I still listen to Boys to Men, especially when I get on a deadline. If I get under a, man, I was under a hot deadline yesterday. Three of them, actually. It was a crazy day. And man, sometimes when I need that extra oomph, I just put on that Boys to Men, I go into the weird zone. I think it's because it's deeply melded into my subconscious that I go into this weird flow state when I put on uh, Boys to Men 2. That second record, not the, not the hits. I'm not super into that, but the deep cuts, that's where I, that's where I really get into my groove. But anyway, I, 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 I've been known for this stupid thing. Uh, and it, for me, it was more like a confession moment, but it's just, I'm probably the only, you know, major illustrator out there that talks about boys to men. And so that's just made something that makes me a little bit different than the rest. And so my message to you though, is, is that you're not going to be memorable. Your personal brand is not going to work if you're trying to be somebody else. And this is one of my core points. It's not a mask. I think you need to think 
of your personal brand less like a mask and more like a boundary. It's a boundary. It's not who can I pretend to be? How can I be like the ultra successful? How can I show you that I'm just like that person? It's not that at all. It's how can I show you a part of me, a part of my uniqueness? And I think that there's actually levels here. There's no right answer. Part of who you are is how much you want to share. And I think that, you know, uh, there's this Niels Bohr quote. By the way, I don't know who Niels Bohr is. I'm not some ultra smarty pants dude who's read a billion philosophical books. I actually heard the, the designer Frank Chimero use this quote in a talk once and it stuck with me. I'm a massive fan of Niels Bohr. The quote that says uh, <laughs> um, the, the opposite of a profound truth might just be another profound truth. And I love that statement because it speaks to a non-dual approach to thinking that says not everything is black and white. And I think this applies to personal brand. It applies to how much you want to share. And I think about it like this. There's lots of approaches that work. Like one thing about you might be that you like to share everything, every single part of your life and tell everybody your life story and every personal detail. And that to you is unique and it's you and it works. On the flip side though, in that same way, we can look at the uh, British musician Burial, who was someone who we didn't even know who he was. He was completely anonymous for years, even after he'd won all these awards. And that works in the exact same way, just totally opposite. And I, I think you can think about it like this in terms of stand-up comedy. We have a sliding spectrum from Seinfeld to Schumer with Gaffigan in between. So Seinfeld is someone, he doesn't talk about himself at all. All he's doing is making cold observations. But the way that he deals with that, if you watched Seinfeld, if you watched his stand-up, you get a sense of the type of person he is by how he talks about other things. You get a sense that he's not really into divulging all of the emotions and personal details, and he thinks that that's all a bit silly. But that means that people like that are going to connect with that. And people like that understand that type of person. I have people like that in my, in my life that he reminds me of. Then you got people like Jim Gaffigan. You know, I've recently heard him on an interview with, uh, on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, where he talks about how, you know, his persona on stage is like the tip of an iceberg, like the part of the iceberg out of the water. You see it. It is true. It's completely true. But it's not the whole thing. Like he has more in-depth thoughts than the jingle of a Hot Pocket commercial. Like he has, you know, he has deeper levels than that. This is just the part of himself that he thinks uh, he wants to share on stage as a comedian. And it's those things that we remember him for. And that's not wrong. That Neither of those are wrong. Those are both indicative of who those people really are and how they want to pursue their career. Then you have people like Amy Schumer, which again... She goes really deep, tells really personal stories, but even her says that there's more to the iceberg. It might be showing more, but there's more to it. So in that way, I think that it's healthy and positive to think about your personal brand, not like a mask, not like this is who I'd like people to think I am, and more like this is the boundary I want to set between me and, and people online and people that are hiring me. And you can set it wherever you want. And where you set it says a lot about who you are. And that's just another component of this process. So the last thing that I want to talk about in terms of what personal brand is and how you should kind of relate to this idea and this term and get the most out of it is this idea that this journey of personal brand actually can be, uh, it doesn't have to be skin deep. It doesn't have to be some superficial activity. It can almost actually be the exact opposite. 
for me personally, my art career really started to get good when I started to dig deeper into myself. And, you know, one myth that I think is perpetuated in the creative world is this idea that if you're a true artist, you'd be making your stuff alone on an island, whether anybody would ever actually see it. And I actually think that this ignores maybe 50% of the idea of making art, of making creative work. That 50% is about the process. It's about you alone making the stuff in the flow state. But the other 50%, a large percentage of the purpose of creativity is to be known. I think it's a fundamental human need to be known. And I think creativity and art and our work is one of the core ways that we communicate all of this stuff that's in us to the world. It's a medium for connecting with other people and being known. And so I just want to challenge you. I just want to say, take this opportunity, this idea of personal brand, whatever, however you related to it in the past, just let that go for a minute. If that term turns you off and you can't deal with it, just forget about it and go with this idea of radical self-discovery, radical self-confidence and self-acceptance. You know, for me personally, my art career got really good when it became much more personal. So I did a project called uh, Nod. It was a daily drawing project where I, where I did a new character every weekday for a year. And it was in that process, you know, before I started that, the purpose of this project was how do I let my work become more personal? How does it become more original? How does it become more true to who I am? And so I went on a journey of self-discovery and I tried to dig really deep into my past into my childhood, and then into my visceral experience. I started to become kind of a note taker of myself. And I think that you see this across the board in uh, great creative people. You see it with stand-up comedies, stand-up comedies, stand-up comics who are always noticing and observing life observing themselves, observing their emotions and how they respond to things and taking notes and being introspective. And I think that your work and your personal brand is really going to come to life when you have a deep understanding of who you are. Now, the other thing that happens, though, is that sometimes when you get really, really self-aware that you start to get self-conscious. And this is the killer of personal brand. This is the thing that's going to destroy your power as a creative person is self-consciousness. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, this fact that I have ADHD, okay? I have uh, that going on. And honestly, I didn't even know it until I was an adult, actually. I had suspicions when I, in my younger days, but uh, <laughs> I had a real diagnosis as I was uh, an adult. And, you know, as I like leaned into this idea, I became more aware of what that meant. It started to make me self-conscious sometimes in social uh, situations. And even on the podcast, there had been times when I had this anxiety like, oh my gosh, I've gone all over the plot. Like I'm going on all these random tangents. Nobody is going to be able to understand what I'm talking about. And there have been times when I'm in public and I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm getting really passionate because ADHD people do that. And I'm you know, going all over the place, going in this area, that area, and I'm saying all kinds of stuff. I'm talking in metaphors, tangents, all this stuff. And, and there's some point, there's some part of me that's like, Andy, rein it in, man. Rein it in. They're looking at you like you've lost the plot, uh, <laughs> you know, only to find that as, as the podcast grew, as, as I continue to do speaking engagements and do meetings and all this stuff, it was that personality quirk that's why people connected. And when I tried to rein it in, it actually hurt the thing I was making. It actually lost its power. In the last episode, I talked to Dan Bandit, who was the original background designer for Adventure Time, aka Ghost Shrimp, and he talks about how the power started when he realized that what he thought was his super weakness, which was ADHD, he's also ADHD, um, he realized and embraced it as his super strength. 
And I think that there's this thing that has to happen in order for you to have super power and in order for you to connect in a major way, in order for you to go from average to ultra successful, there has to come a point when you're willing to turn down the wrong customers, when you're willing to sacrifice the wrong audience. And I've told this story before and I'll tell it again because I think it illustrates such a perfect point is my friend Andrew Nyer, who's got, who's like a modernist with a sense of humor, which is like a, you know, kind of a weird combination, but it makes him unique. And uh, he set his text message ringtone to a fart noise. And uh, this was years ago. And I, and I said to him, I was like, man, dude, how can you do that? Like, what if that goes off in a meeting? And he was, and he said this and it, and it stuck with me. And he said, if that text message ringtone goes off in a meeting and I lose that client, they weren't the right client in the first place because he was secure in who he was. He was secure in the fact that his sense of humor and who he was, was deeply embedded into the work he was creating. And if people that were hiring him didn't understand that, that's not the type of client he wants to work with in the first place. Boom, that's so massive. It's amazing. That blows me away. And I think there's so much truth to it. And so if you don't like the term personal brand, if that rubs you the wrong way, let it go. Let that go. See this as a radical act of self-discovery and self-acceptance and self-confidence. Now, let's pontificate a little bit further with my friend Meg Lewis from Ghostly Ferns. She's going to be in Memphis in October at Creative Works. I hope you're going to be there. She's going to be with her friends, the other Ghostly Ferns peeps, doing an amazing workshop. Oh my gosh, you're not going to want to miss it. She talked last year at Creative Works, brought down the house. So enjoy this. Um, I know you will. Here she is, Meg Lewis. Yo, 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 creative pep talk. Meg Lewis here. Let's talk about personal brand. Personal brand. Oh, I used to cringe when I heard that term, personal brand. It reminded me of those cheesy Instagram influencers who were living those highly curated, beautiful lives, showing, you know, only the most awesome parts of their lives and totally hiding the struggle and all the bad days. You know, it kind of left me feeling like my life was inadequate and my life wasn't as beautiful as everyone else's. You know, it wasn't until a couple years ago that I vowed to never again become a person who's living a curated life. It just really never felt like me. I'm way too flawed. I'm way too awkward. And I'm certainly too weird for that. I think if you follow me on social media, you'll notice that I'm basically showing you how it is. Some days I'm being totally goofy, dancing absolutely horribly, and being really inappropriate and totally unprofessional. Other days, I'm not feeling it, so I resort to an essay about insecurities or just whatever emotion that I'm feeling that day. And I think that translates into my work as a designer. I work solely with companies who share the same values as me, and the result is work that is so fulfilling. It's always fun, and I feel like I'm you know, actually having a purpose to my life this way. You know that version of yourself you allow yourself to be when you're completely alone? I wanted to be that person everywhere, personally, professionally, and especially online. So a couple years ago, I wrote down a short list of the things that made me completely unique and special. You know, those things about myself that everyone had been either criticizing me for or just making me feel bad about myself for having. Those things I was trying to hide for the entirety of my life. You know, I decided to take those things and actually amplify them and create a career and a life's purpose out of those things. So I had to think, what are those things? For me, it was that I was sort of born chronically positive. A lot of people have criticized me in saying that they think that I'm hiding 
some negative emotions. They think I'm blanketing those things with happiness and positivity. And they think that I'm forcing positivity. And that's so untrue. I am naturally just very happy-go-lucky. I uh, am always kind of riding high to almost a fault. And people like to, to complain to me about that, about myself. You know, in addition to that, I really love change. And society doesn't like people who like change. Society likes things to stay comfortable and they like things to stay the same, but I've never liked that. I love change. I love making people smile. And I always have wanted to make people smile since I was a kid. And again, people don't like that about me because they make they, you know, they make me to think I'm naive. And also, I'm not interested in separating my personal life from my work life. You know, the world likes to have work-life balance, but that's never something I've been interested in. I always kind of want to mush it together. So that's a short list of those things about me that are different from most people, the things that, you know, society and the world makes me feel bad about myself for. And once I had that list, I decided to sort of scrap everything I was doing online, with my career, with even with my personal life and my relationships, and tailor my work and my life to reflect and amplify those quirks about myself. So the result was a quote-unquote personal brand that was exactly me. And I'm not embarrassed about it at all. In fact, I'm proud of it. It completely encapsulates the things that make me different than everyone else, and it utilizes those things because those things are kind of like superpowers that I have that no one else does. You know, and I think that we're at a time when the internet is turning us into the same person. You know, we see what's popular and successful, and we want to mimic that to also be popular and successful. But we should really be doing is taking that, taking our unique selves and amplifying that. So I think I've realized that personal brand is actually really fun and awesome. So if you want to follow me online, you can find me at at darn good four O's <laughs> or on the web at HTTP slash slash but dot guru. That is my URL, but dot guru because I love butts. All right. Thanks, Creative Pep Talk. See ya. All right, so we've talked why personal brand. We've talked what personal brand. We've even consulted the leading personal brand expert, Meg Lewis. Let's take it one step further. Let's get actionable, practical. How do you actually make it happen? How do you get your personal brand out there? How do you get people to know you so they can trust you and remember you? How do you do it? I'll tell you a few ways you can do it, and we'll go back to the dating uh, analogy <laughs> that, that actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but we're going with it. Um, the <laughs> so number one, the first thing that you can do to build your personal brand is write your possible, uh, <laughs> writing your uh, possible future client relationships poetry. So if this was <laughs> dating, writing poetry, writing them little things that let them know how you feel, let them know who you are, that tell your story. And what I mean, I don't actually mean write them poetry. What I mean is write no, no writing, unless you're a writer, but make work that's autobiographical. I think a really great example of this, uh, one of my all-time favorite people is Mikey Burton. He was on the show. You can go back and listen to that interview. Great person, great work. Love this guy. So uh, lovely to hang with and chat with. He did, um, he's done an ongoing love letter uh, to food. He's a fellow foodie. He loves the food and he's made tons and tons and tons of illustration work about food. And it says something about him. And the thing is, is it helps you remember him. And when, when, an, when an art director gets uh, a spot illustration through the door about food, they probably think of him because they know that he has a personal connection and there's some honesty and there's some trust built in there right from the get-go. So make autobiographical work. 
I think that's one of the best ways that you can start building your personal brand is telling people what you love, who you are, what you think about um, in a real significant way, using your art, your creativity to communicate that to the world. Because this is probably the best way that you know how to communicate is through your creativity. Number two, make a mixtape. You gotta, man, I, look, I'm ridiculously proud of my mixtape making. And, you know, these days, it doesn't really happen. I used to make so many mix CDs back in high school. Now you can make Spotify playlists for people. I do that sometimes. And I even, I give myself rules. I'm, I take it extremely seriously. The first rule is you only put on 10 songs. If you put on more than 10 songs, you just gave someone, not a mixtape, not a gift, but homework. Like here's a whole batch of music that I want you to listen to. We're going to talk about it in a month. Get on it. Get your, get your homework done. Now, 10 songs, nice, digestible. I try to put some stuff in there that I know is close to stuff that they know so we can meet kind of halfway so it doesn't feel daunting. I take it really seriously. I think about start to finish, like how the DJ set's going to go. Like where does it start? How does it make you feel? Where do you end up emotionally at the end of the mixtape? I take. I told you I take it really seriously. But making a mixtape means do things online that collect the stuff that you like. Now, this isn't about making work. This is just about making collections that say, hey, this stuff is kind of like me. I'm into this. This is a part of who I am. One way that I've seen this manifest is um, some years back, Aaron Draplin did a post about Obama because he was a massive Obama fan. And that ends up in him getting to work with the presidential office. He gets to do work with Obama, essentially, because he made a a little mixtape, a little Obama mixtape out into the world, and it made them know where he stood on that issue. So when they were going to find a designer, they connected with somebody who they knew already had a positive association with, someone they could trust to be on the same page. So make a mixtape. You can make blog posts of your favorite stuff. You can make, you know, uh, tweet about it and talk about it and just get it out there. Share what you're into. Make little, you know, loving mixtapes that share your feelings about things so that people know how to associate you, how, the, how what kind of context you're in, so that people can uh, have an idea of this is the type of person you are. And it's one way to get memorable. Number three is Netflix and chill. Now, hold on. Slow down there. I know that that has weird associations, and I'm not talking about that, you nasty internet people. I'm talking about the most pure, pure, the real Netflix and chill. I'm talking about hanging out, quality time. Spend quality time. Now, all of the people that I know that I've interviewed that were ultra successful, that had the personal brand thing happening, they spend time on social media. And I know there's good time spent on social media and bad time spent on social media, right? I totally agree with that. It can be a complete time suck. It can be terrible. But one of the core ways that we get a sense that we know you, that we know something about you, is that we feel like we've spent time with you. One of the ways you can do that is on social media. Here's my big piece of advice on social media is go with what works. Be open, try new things, try new platforms, try different things. If you get a sense that the people that you wanna hang out with are on a certain platform, go try it out. Don't be intimidated. Force yourself to spend some time learning the platform and getting used to it to see if it's for you. But once you've done that, I think it all goes back to what you actually want to do. Like rarely as humans do we do things on a regular basis in a disciplined way that we don't feel like doing. And so if you don't like that platform, but you get this sense that everybody's on there, everybody's talking about it, just forget it. Like forcing yourself is going to feel, it's like, going to a party that you don't want to go to and then staying because you think 
Um, <laughs> you don't want everybody to miss out on your presence. Like nobody's missing out. Everybody is hating that you're there begrudgingly. Go find the parties online that you actually want to be a part of and then spend some time there. Spend some time not just talking, by the way, but listening. It's not all about you. You don't have to tell people all about what you're doing every single second. Spend some quality time. It's a relationship. Listen to what they care about, right? (laughs) But it's true. It works. It's real in the business context as well. Get out there and talk to some people. Netflix and chill. Uh, I just wanted to say Netflix and chill. Um, (laughs) All right. I think those are some practical things that you can do to increase your personal brand. So here's my conclusion, okay? I think that this process can actually be powerful and profound and probably other P words, but uh, (laughs) I think that it can be, uh, actually can be really deep. And I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're kind of a shallow person or there's not that much to get to know, I really want to encourage you to believe that this, this wonder of science, this brain that you have, this, this consciousness that you have that's such a mystery to the most brilliant people in the world still today, that deep within that uh, gray matter of your brain, there are amazing things in there that if you don't believe that, you, that, that there's anything to find, you won't look. And so start exploring. Believe there's stuff in there worthwhile sharing. That there's a person deep in there that other people would like to get to know. And so if personal brand makes this seem trite, if personal brand makes this seem gross, don't use that term. What I'm trying to encourage you with is let people get to know you because you, darn it, are worth getting to know. No, but I'm serious. When I first started on this journey years ago, when I did that Nod project, you know, one of the things that kept me from digging in was that I wasn't sure I would find anything. I was actually afraid that what if there's just nothing in there? And here's what I've learned from this submarine dive. I've learned that the deeper I pull back, the further I go, the deeper I dive, the more that I find, and I can't believe that there are more connections, more layers, more stuff going on there, more truth, all kinds of stuff deep, deep, deep in there. And that the only way you find it is that you believe it's there and you start digging. And so I want to encourage you to believe you're an interesting person that people want to know. There's people out there, groups of people that would love for you to be a part. Take part. Get to know you. Don't deny them that. And, you know, I think back to Seinfeld, it all goes back to him. Uh, He he said uh, there's an episode of Seinfeld where what is this reference? Seinfeld, this 90s TV show <laughs> reference. I got to start watching more modern stuff so I have better <laughs> references. But there's an episode where uh, he keeps saying, she's seeing a side about, about his girlfriend seeing a side of him that he doesn't want her to see. He says that he usually waits like six months or like 15 dates before he sh- starts showing this side. And I think... Man, I feel like this is like us online. This is like us in our work, that we want to shelter people from how crappy we really are. But when we do that, we don't create trust. We don't connect. I remember in high school, I was a very strategic person then. I still am. And it can manifest in in great ways and it can manifest in kind of gross ways, especially in my more immature days. And so back in the day, I was super bored at school and I used strategy to play a game of popularity. How could I get popular? That seemed like 
a difficult social game. And it, yeah, it's super gross. But I was bored out of my mind and I had to do something. And I was also needy because I had emotional problems like most <laughs> teenagers. Oh man, it's getting ridiculous. But I started playing the social game, started showing people the mask that I thought that they wanted to see, only to find that I did gain popular friends, but I didn't enjoy actually spending time with those people, and they probably didn't actually enjoy spending time with me. And so I'd won the game, only to find that I didn't want the trophy. And I think it wasn't until I realized, look, man, you're weird. Go hang out with the other weird people. They'll like you. You'll like them. That I started building real relationships. And in your creative work, you can work super hard to be the type of person that you think gets the coolest jobs and play that game. But when you win that trophy, it's not going to be satisfying In the past couple years, I've made a strong effort to figure out what do I really do? What's my real value? And and not worry about whether that's the value that everybody thinks is the coolest. (laughs) If peeing your pants is the coolest, again, super terrible, dumb reference to something from the 90s. Billy Madison, no. Stop, Andy. We're going to stay on track for this. When you get to the top of that mountain, and it's a mountain that you got to by putting on a mask, the person underneath it is not going to feel fulfilled at the top. And so in the past couple years, I've tried to get really serious about what is the work that lights up my soul? What's the work that actually makes a difference that really connects with people and how can I spend my time doing with that work and there's a fear there's a fear at the beginning what if that work doesn't look so glamorous what if it's not the big clients anymore something that I realized is I don't need big massive corporate America to pat me on the back to make me feel like I'm okay I'll still do work with them and especially the brands that I believe in and that I'm I genuinely connect with but I realized that I'd actually go spend time with the weird folks that are weird like me and do that kind of work and spend all my time in that energy and it only starts to happen when I'm honest about who I really am and start creating from that place. And so, in, in some kind of weird irony, this personal brand episode is about taking the mask off. you hear that sad music that's how you know it's time to say goodbye it's our sad goodbye music I like you know I'm one of these weird people who like sadness I like to feel sad for some reason some kind of twisted melancholy persona of the introvert Uh, anyway that means it's sadly time to say goodbye thanks for listening to the show Thanks for backing it on Patreon. Guys, you are so awesome. And, you know, I lowered it so that if you back $2 on Patreon, if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon's kind of like an ongoing Kickstarter where you support the creative people and the creative work that you're super stoked about. You become a patron on a, in a small way. You can go back $2 per episode of Creative Pep Talk. That massively, massively helps me. Patreon.com slash Creative Pep Talk. If you give $2 an episode, you get access to off-the-cuff, unedited, Andy J. Pizza in the raw, like, I mean, just audio-wise, just saying, (laughs) I'm just, me and my thoughts, I'm out there, baby, and I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, So anyway, you can go check that out. You get access to those episodes. They're really short, like off-the-cuff things that are meant to pep you up. I call them peppy talks. Um, Go check that out. Thank you guys for doing that. We have some new sponsors coming along really nicely, all kinds of good stuff. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so thanks. Keep listening. Uh, thanks for all the sharing and reviews on iTunes. You guys are so lovely. You guys are the best people. I love you guys. Um, thanks. Keep it up. Keep going. Thanks to Yoni Wolf from the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. You can find their stuff at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk or wherever podcasts are peripheral-related. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I... Pro- proliferated, I think was what I was trying to say. I don't know. Uh, thank you, guys. Stay pepped up.